The Overtime Hockey Podcast is on the air and presented in part by American Family Insurance. With the right support, any dream is possible, and there's no better insurance than that. Find an agent and get a quote at amfam.com. Today's program is also presented in part by Tradition Companies, and you can find them at traditionco.com. As many of you may know, Tradition Companies has been involved in our community as a partner, helping make where we live a better place. They're also a great business partner covering all of your financial and home needs. With Tradition Companies, you can uh, have your home construction. It starts there. They take care of your mortgages, wealth management, life insurance, and capital banking needs. Tradition Companies is vested in our community, and they're invested in you. Check them out at traditionco.com. That's traditionco.com. And today's program is also presented by My Edge Hockey, world-class training with expert Josh Kern. Check them out at myedgehockey.com. You can learn the art of hockey through My Edge Hockey, which focuses on individualized skill development, in-game drills, combined with real-time video analysis, creating a truly unique training environment for the elite players. Josh Kern's program also focuses on individualized and group training, along with elite training for skilled athletes. You can also hire them to run your training as well. Check them out. That's My Edge Hockey, world-class training with expert Josh Kern at myedgehockey.com. Really excited for this show. We're going to dive right in right now with Lauren Nelson and David Levesque. We're going to open up this week's podcast with the authors of Tourney Time. Really excited about this one. Their book is called Tourney Time, Stories from the Minnesota Boys State Hockey Tournament. It's been written by David Levesque and Lauren Nelson. And for those of us who are close to the hockey world, we certainly know the work these two gentlemen have done and provided in the world of high school hockey and in other sports for that matter. And we'll get into a little bit of them as well. But really what this book is about is it chronicles the memorable games, big games, uh, big names and highs and lows, along with the legends of Minnesota Boys State High School Hockey Tournament that have occurred over the years since 1945. This tournament's captivated the state from every corner and in between. This book really is a trip down memory lane, and I picked it up and started reading it as a hockey enthusiast. Lou Nanny said in one of his reviews that it's something you can't put down, and I, I actually have to be honest, I was up a little later than I should have reading it a few <laughs> nights. So, But what's so great about it is, it is it is it encapsulates and ties everything in from the very beginning to where we are today. And we have this wonderful event that we know of today as the Minnesota State High School Hockey Tournament that we celebrate. And to tell you a little bit about these two guys, David Levesque is a reporter for the Minneapolis Star Tribune. He's been the uh, pa- uh, paper's point person for the state hockey tournament since 2010. David's covered it uh, to its entirety each year, writing enterprise pieces on the sport. He also selects the paper's All-Metro and Metro Player of the Year. David grew up on the east side of St. Paul, played hockey, and eventually attended the University of Minnesota. I think you got your writing, David, with the uh, Minnesota Daily. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I started there. Um, I had a friend who was several years older than me. He said, are you still interested in writing? I said, yes. He said, well, you got to get into the Daily. He had been at the Daily about 10 years before, but at, on the business side. But he knew the, what the power of the editorial side. He said, whatever you do, get yourself in there. And it was some of the best advice I ever got. And from there, he takes off, and here we are now. Lauren Nelson is an author, freelance journalist, and photographer. He's the founder and president of LegacyHockey.net. That's Minnesota's number one resource for high school hockey's past, present, and future. 
Lorne is a recipient of numerous state, regional, and national writing awards. He researched and wrote and published a series of Minnesota's top 100 high school players as the managing editor for the Minnesota Hockey Hub. That thing created so much discussion. It was awesome, and it went. For, it was it was one of the greatest hooks of all time, I think, in internet to get people to keep coming back to a website and creating discussion points. Uh, uh, Nelson has covered uh, Stanley Cup runs for the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Anaheim Ducks, while covering multiple Super Bowls. Uh, college national championships and world series growing up in international falls lauren played hockey there as well and obviously you know we've all known each other for quite some time and one of the connections i have from you lauren is that you've been a historian and you know your website speaks as much about that and you know this has been probably a project i think for the two of you coming together uh has been very close to you as well yeah, well, we talked about the top 100, and that was a lot of fun, a lot of work. But the response, like you said, was pretty great. Uh, people loved it. Uh, they were waiting for that next player to be released the next day. So, like you said, it Hated was... breath, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, I wanted to do something again like that, mm-hmm. but not right away because it about killed me to write 100 feature stories in 100 days. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, after a while, it's kind of like when you move from one, you're like, I'm never, I'm never going to move again. I'm going to hire, have people, movers, movers. But then you just do it yourself again after, because you forget how much work it was. Anyway, uh, I got this call from David saying, Hey, the 75th anniversary of the tournament's coming up. Uh, we should write a book about the tournament. And I said, okay. <laughs> and that was three years ago. And, uh, it was, it was everything I wanted it to be the experience. It was a lot of fun. So. Three years in the making, and it's about to be released. David, you came up with the idea, presented to Lauren. Where did you come up with that? Well, I was looking for a revenge project. And what I mean by that is um, Lauren had come back to this market and created the Hockey Hub around 2009-10. That's when I was elevated in my role to Star Tribune with hockey. And so we would see each other around from afar. And then uh, this what, what's, the, what's the right term? The Star Tribune acquired the Hub. They, they, they contracted with the I Hub. I would say they it. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Okay. So, so that relationship yeah. gets happening between the two entities, and it, and it leads to you and I starting to cover the tournament together as of 2014. Mm-hmm. And I thought I had a good work ethic. I thought we'd covered the tournament pretty thoroughly till that point. And then I started working with Lauren Nelson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when we got done with that first tournament, I run half marathons. It felt the same way. You're exhausted. You're exhilarated. You gave everything, and, you know, it's a great feeling, but, oh, it's a lot of work. And so uh, he kicks my butt then every four or five days in March from there on, so I had to come up with a way to kick his butt with a project for about a good three years. So this is my revenge on you. That's exactly it. And payback, sorry, you know what, as we (laughs) like to say. So uh, you guys ended up coming up with the uh, forward by Neil Aaron and Paul Broughton. How did, I mean, there's a million options there. What a great one that you have, and they wrote a great piece, all in their own personalities. How'd you guys come to that? Oh, that was that's a good question. We we worked with our publisher, the, the Minnesota History Center, uh, and we talked about who could write the foreword and threw some ideas around. And I think I think it was our editor who said, you know, what about Neil Broughton? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yep. So, and we said, well, you know, we'll certainly explore that. And really, it turned out. Uh, Aaron had such a big impact on the tournament. Uh, Paul is, and people don't don't know how uh, great Aaron was in the state tournament. Uh, Paul is a great, loves his history. is a big his, hockey historian, history buff, just like us. Um, 
And of course, Neil is is Neil Broughton, one of the biggest names in in uh, one of the most chill dudes you're ever yeah. going to meet, right? Yeah. So we, I said, well, what if we have, and, and the, the family is a recurring theme in this book. Yes. And I said, what if we have all three brothers um, kind of give their take? They all had their different moments in the tournament. That you know, if you read the forward, they they all kind of had some some lasting impact on the tournament games they were in or records that they set. So. Yeah, we said, let's do that. And then, uh, you know, Paul was really uh, instrumental in kind of getting, I don't think all three brothers get together, you know, every day or weekly even. But he, he brokered the whole thing, and we had a, we had a great, uh, great sit-down with those guys. David, families are a theme. You've got that great section where you have uh, siblings that, that played, and, and you came up with the list. What, what drew you to that? Was this kind of an organic thing of like, wow, there are a lot of families that have impacted this thing or have played. Where'd you go? How'd you get there? Just the family specifically? Yeah, that, that, that's theme. Uh, Lauren had a, a great idea for the, t- the various top ten lists that are that are mostly the back of the book. The families, the, the editors, uh, in their wisdom, moved it up to the sidebar that, that ran with the four Minneapolis hockey families that we talked about. Uh, but Lauren likes the top ten lists, um, and, and he said we, we should – you know, not only do games and, and goal scorers, but families and, and, and celebrities that were at the tournament. So this it just became one of those elements that we thought would fit very well in, in getting a nice scope uh, to the tournament. As you've seen through your reading, we weren't just out to write glorified game stories and tell no. you who scored on the backhand or on the forehand. We, we wanted to tell stories and, and, and highlight people and, and whether it was in the games themselves or things connected to the tournament. So the families was just an extension of that overall goal. And, you know, when, when, you, when you put this book together, you came up with three eras. And we'll get into those a little bit deeper. Was there, how did you guys come to saying, okay, we're going to tackle this and say, we're going to tell a story from each year for basically 75 years. And then when you thought about that, were you thinking, oh, man, how are we going to get good sources and information from 45, 6, 7, 52? How did you come up with that? Yeah, we, we didn't know. We, we start, I, I did the 46th chapter. That was my first one. And I had no I was like, I didn't know anything about Roseau in 1946, right? Because there's no real book out there sure. that you can read. There's newspaper clippings and, and whatnot. But so, like, how is this going to work? Are we going to find in, compelling oh. stories yeah. for, for every chapter? And I called... Uh, luckily for me, in '46, the two kind of stars for Rosa were Bob Harris and Ruby Orkman, both of which are still alive today, and uh, you know, very gracious with their time. And and I t- I say this a lot, you know, uh, Bob Harris. I called him down in Florida, you know, late '80s, early '90s, and he was reciting to me who had scored, uh, who had had assists in which games in the tournament, not just goals, but assists, and and telling me these details. And I said, well, uh, are you? Do you have a scrapbook in front of you, or how do you? How do you know who had an assist on the third goal in your quarterfinal game? And he's like, "Oh, I just remember." Oh my goodness! And beyond just reciting the statistics, now he's telling me stories about Rube and other players on the team and moments. And you're pretty confident that these are accurate if he knows who had an assist. I would this. think so. So, yeah. and the stories he was telling, then I called Rube, who was really the first superhero of the tournament, the the first uh, you know celebrity, the masked Marvel. He had his own nickname. And also, he had great. the glasses, right? He had uh, goggles, you know, the like, goggles, they were, like yeah. prescription the first goggles. Ever. Yeah, right? <laughs> he made so, Chris Sable blush with those. So, <laughs> Chris Sable. I get done uh, with the reporting, and I said, David, 
I, and we had a you know a word count for every chapter. And mm-hmm. I said, David, I'm going to have to go up to the bigger word count on this one. First chapter, <laughs> and, <laughs> right out of the box, because uh, I have too much good yeah. stuff. And the, uh, David would hear that like a hundred more times throughout the process as I was yearning for more room to write. Mm-hmm. I would still be writing right now because we we were able to right away. Then we knew, or at least I knew, we're going to have more. That's going to be the problem. More than enough good material. To get back to the first part of your question, you ask, how did we? come to pass that we did every year the tournament and I I don't remember what I originally had in mind but it was something close to that but then I remember thinking well what do you do with International Falls in the 60s or Jefferson in the 90s or even Eveleth going back to the late 40s and it was Josh Leventhal the acquisitions editor and our first point of contact with the Minnesota Historical Society Press who who said I want something from every year every year it should be its own chapter because that really brought home the historical angle, and uh, that was that gave the the pro, the whole project shape. And as Lawrence said, uh, he said, "All right, pick five of your most important years of the tournament, and those five get three thousand words and, and multiple photographs. And then pick your next ten, and we'll give those two thousand words. And then the other remaining sixty chapters will be a thousand words each." And it was always it was tough because as as we're journalists and as a journalist, I think one of the things you're always most afraid of is the phone call you didn't make. Like that, yeah, I know that next person yeah. could have had the key to the universe. Uh, you know? exactly. <laughs> but we but we and had to limit digging it. for it exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, but we had to say, all right, we need to pick three or four people, and and it's a combination of of this of the real stars. But I'll give you an example in the '90s, Jefferson. I, of course, we all know Checo and yeah. Crowley, and and and. Uh, and um, Oh, shoot. Parrish, Mike Anderson. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, Bianchi is what I was yeah, trying to yeah, come yeah. up with there. But then in the reading of those years, they said that uh, Cortland Dean was the best talker on the team. I thought, okay, well, that's a guy I want. If he was a good talker as a kid, he's only gotten better, presumably. So it's a mix of guys that you would remember and guys that had all the accolades and guys that just had their moments or guys that were just good storytellers uh, for, for the years that they played. So we've got, we've, we touch on all of those, which, I, which I'm very happy about. Was there a common binding theme from generation to generation as far as those stories were concerned? Or did you see an evolution that kind of grew out of time from what those stories were like? I think what binds these kids through the years is that they were kids playing with a lot of passion. And that's true if it was in the 40s or if it was you know, the one that just happened last March. That, that piece is always the same. You always... Uh, there's moments within the journey of a team where sacrifices have to be made and, and hard decisions have to be made and, and roles have to be accepted. That's never changed, you know. And, yeah. and, and so that, that part is, is universal, um, you know, regardless of period length or style of play or equipment or velocity on a slap shot. Those things have always endured. There's always a, and you see that in the stories that are told, it always means a ton to the kids when they play it. And it, and it means a ton to them throughout their lives. And in a, 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 a way, it doesn't matter where you're from, it means a ton to the community, too. Yes. Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah even, you know, from Roseau and Warroad all the way, you know, in, right into St. Paul and Johnson. And, and uh, you know, these communities are tight. And they love their hockey. And it doesn't matter where it is. Rochester, you know, uh, it doesn't matter where it is in the state. These guys are playing for their towns, their buddies, their their parents, you know, their grandparents. And that's, that's all. It doesn't matter the years that the the era then either that's what makes the tournament so special too in terms of the venues uh, i i think i don't i'd be curious to hear this this is a question i wanted to ask obviously 
the St. Paul, we'll say the five major buildings there in the auditorium, the Met Center, Civic Center, Target Center, and now Excel Energy Center. Did that have any play into things in terms of vibe uh, and environment? St. Paul has its charm, but did the buildings lend to anything too? I think that the move to the Met Center in 69 was really part of the takeover of hockey over basketball as the predominant winter tournament. Uh, high school tournament. High school, yeah. I think, first of all, you doubled, I think almost doubled your capacity yeah. by going there from the old St. Paul Auditorium. Now you're in a professional uh, setting, and it just added a, a great deal of um, a pageantry to the tournament. Like I said, I think that's when it's you know started to overtake basketball. So I think that building and the years spent there were really important in, in the evolution of that tournament. And did that allow for more television too? Do you think? Uh, that's a good question. I think probably the the television coverage became a little more sophisticated yeah. at that time. You can have better camera angles and probably better equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you talked about the eras and how we split those up. Well, it was pretty clear in sixty. 69 is the golden era, what yeah. we called it. That's when they went into the bigger arena. That that era started with the great Edina War Road game when, when Edina became the villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were not a villain before then. That was kind of their coming out party, so mm-hmm. to speak. And forever uh, <laughs> held that uh, title. <laughs> <laughs> because they'd been in the tournament seven previous times and had never won a game. They were over, they were, they were consolation uh, kings, you could say, and uh, they weren't even winning consolation titles. So uh, and then, of course, it was it was North versus South, Small versus Big. You know, the great Henry Boucher getting knocked out of the game and and, and playing in the Met Center. So that became a real clear defining point. Okay, this tournament, and like David said, this tournament has now come of age. It is it is the the place to be. Even Patrick Royce, uh, who you know, who's more of a basketball guy than a hockey guy, but he was at that '69 tournament, and even he, it's one of his kind of you know favorite favorite things he's ever covered you know okay. you think about it i mean that now's the 25th tournament which is a nice sexy anniversary number it's got edina and boucher and it's just it's in the big building now so that confluence of events and that's the benefit of doing this this book is is that we have the gift of, of time and perspective and we can look at things up close and find little new details and we can also step back and understand where a particular tournament fits in the evolution of, of the whole event so it's there's a lot we, we we hit on both of those uh, ideas a lot through the course of our reporting. And so would you would it be fair to say, guys, that that's as big of turning point type tournament as there's been? Uh, I would think so. I would think so. I mean, our next kind of split was when they went from one class to two classes. Also, you know that that brings us into the modern day, and that was also obviously very huge for the event. But I don't think it was quite as defining, maybe as uh, as that 69 tournament. I, th- I think while it's had the, quote, purest detractors, you know, to the two class, I, it actually it grew the event. And so to me, that made the event more, event more popular. Well, and, and it grew hockey. I mean, you wouldn't have hockey in some of the places you do without the two tiers, without, or, well, two tier first and then two classes. Um, and that's, that's, I think, the legacy. It's not what it did for the tournament as much as what it did for hockey throughout the sure. state. Yeah. Well, when you look, I think there's like 85, 86 Class A teams and 64, 65 two A teams. So clearly that's that's getting – and that was one reason why I know Willard Eichel supported it 
early on, and I think that was a big name and a big voice to say, we need more kids playing hockey, and this is how we're going to do it. I think if he says it, then it suddenly becomes okay. From the eras, the early years, obviously, Gene Aldrich was the uh, starter of this. I'm kind of rewinding the tape a little bit. And um, from the genesis of the tournament, you know, we were saying before we jumped on the pod here that he really wasn't a sports-specific person. Maybe basketball might have been more of his skew, but his goal was what, to, to create tournaments? Well, he was the athletic director for the city of St. Paul, so he was very much a sports person in that regard. And then mm-hmm. I, his son, John, was a fantastic resource uh, to get to know his dad better because there's shockingly little that's been written about Gene Aldrich. Um, and and I, was, I really wanted to bring some color to who he was, and, and John, his son, provided that. And he had a... Uh, I don't even know where the interview ran. Um, I was trying to source it, but it was it was I couldn't do it because it. it but he said uh, it was uh, if he believes in tournaments if they're run well because they create a pageantry and excitement for the kids. And so hockey was one that he wanted to bring to the mix, and he he was able to establish what we have now. Uh, come to know as as the state high school hockey tournament, the one that just celebrated 75th running. But there was some mishap. There were some misfires before that. Uh, Gustavus, they tried to have one in Gustavus Adolphus in February. The weather was too warm. Shut that down. Uh, Roso had uh, gotten high school sanctioning and actually technically had the first state high school hockey tournament in '42. But only uh, the southern teams couldn't come up because of the the war and, and the rations on gasoline and, and tires. But it so, but it never came back. So Gene, what he put together in '45 has endured. So he is. You know, and, and and there should be more, I think, made of him. I mean, you've got Alder Torina. He's got an arena, yeah, yeah. Because that was that was another part of his his uh, legacy. He wanted he wanted to build those county rinks in in Ramsey County, and so Aldrich is is his uh, legacy. But within the the high school, I I feel like there should be like an award or something with his name on it because he really is the the person that that made the tournament that lasted. And I think you said that wasn't guaranteed after year one either. That was. No, the high school, the league, high school league was wait and see at the time. Yeah. And then when they saw that it turned like $130 a profit and, and they saw that it, you know, it drew good crowds and it had a, a you know, they, they enjoyed what they saw, then in 1946, the high school league sang, you know, got behind it and there you go. Next question for both of you. Uh, what is your favorite era of the three? Lauren. Oh, boy. That's tough. <laughs> it's like, which is your favorite kid? You know? Exactly. That's um, why I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> I love them all. Uh, you know, the early years were a lot of fun because I just learned so much. Uh, I really enjoyed hearing stories from, you know, talking to these guys, you know, the Bob Harris's and the Ruby Orkman's and on and on. And I didn't know Thief River was, was really, really yeah. good. Uh, so I learned so much from the early years. The golden era. There were some great, great stories there too. Again, I was learning a lot. It was the, the tournament was in its prime. I mean, celebrities were coming. That was a lot of fun to write about how Howard Cosell was at the tourney and Cheryl Teagues and Tom Hanks. They're all there. ABC was <laughs> dialing it in. I know. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. And then you know, the modern day was fun in a way that uh, that uh, we've talked about this before or just recently. That you cover the tournament and and you've been there, Pete. It's. It's boom, boom, boom. You don't really get a lot of depth on what's happening no. with the teams or the players. You're just, it's all surface reporting and getting stuff out there quickly. 
But now you can take a step back and say, okay, let me dig into uh, Joe Molinar and Minnetonka and the impact he had on the team. So that was a lot of fun, too, to learn more about really the inner workings or, or Hank Sorensen with YZ. So which is my favorite? I guess I've dodged that question pretty well. Uh, I would say probably the golden era just because I did a lot of those chapters and had a lot of fun with them. And, you know, when you can talk to Willard Eichela uh, a lot, uh, that's a real joy. So I would, I would uh, not change that. In a second how great is he just an amazing man uh, he's he's just a treasure i think Isn't that's he? the i yep. think that's the best way and such a gentleman such a treasure such a great memory so gracious with his time i don't think high school hockey would be what it is today without a guy like that kind of leading the charge in the most important era some would say i would say probably uh, in the state great leader great ambassador and you know one of the things that i'm fortunate i'm, I'm at bramar arena a lot managing their youth tournaments and you'll see he and Lori uh walking the uh, uh the perimeter of the uh Bramar West and it's you know it doesn't matter if he talked to you yesterday he'll talk to you again today with the same conviction and and uh, friendliness and I mean the information it's just you, you just like okay I need to grab all the information I can here it's great so that's a really interesting observation how about you David <coughs> well, did you have an era yeah I do but I want to go back to Willard Eichel because Lauren had all eight of the Edina chapters that that had that Willard was their coach I had the uh, Eveleth chapters which when uh, Willard was a player so I was not sure what we would get from Willard. I, I'm thinking hockey dignitary, esteemed, you know. Well, he's also a ranger and a rascal, and Lauren brought all of that and more out of him yeah. <laughs> for those chapters, which is fantastic. Um, my favorite era was the golden era. I was probably most proud of the early years. Um, I enjoyed and, and was found interest in, in the modern era, but the golden era, that's when um, the tournament really loomed large to me. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm playing youth hockey, uh, on the playground in, 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 in the east, on the east side of St. Paul, and I'm watching the tournament on my grandma's floor console and the clear boards of the Civic Center, and that was when that was where the imagination of the whole thing took off for me. And so, to go back and to learn more about those teams and, and those uh, players and their stories was was really gratifying. When you you hear the words from T.J. Oshie and even Herb Brooks, I mean, we talk about a guy that's to the top of the mountain with that gold medal winning team i mean you know her brooks was very passionate about what high school hockey meant to him and to others and and, and its impact and the words from he and tj oshi in this book are, are real and legit uh, what is it that you guys have learned over all of these three eras you know we kind of touched on it earlier but there's something about the experience that these players have that is unforgettable and almost top of the mountain yeah, when you you accomplish something with the your next door neighbor buddy that you've grown up with your whole life, it's the friendships I think and the bond that bonds you. It's not really about, like David said, who had the backhand uh, goal or was it a forehand or the assist or, or any of that stuff. It was about these guys uh, working together for a common goal, a mission, uh, a, fan, a a band of brothers, whatever you want to say, sure. cliche wise, uh, playing for their towns. That's what. That's what really makes it special. You become a pro player, and all that goes away, right? It's it's you're trying to make a living for your family. You're you're presumably playing for many different organizations. Uh, it's a it's a job. It's a business. It's a career. You're still playing a game, right? But it's not like when you're in high school. And I think that's why, you know, T.J. Oshie is still still very close with all all of his, or I would assume many many of his warroad uh, teammates. And that that's the same theme. 
for all these guys. So I think that's really what makes this special. The, the Herb Brooks quote we got where he talked about this is bigger than the Super Bowl and World Series, that came from I happened to be looking for something in, in, in 1972, and that was his address to the uh, the, the luncheon, the, the players and coaches at the luncheon before the tournament. And I thought, I'm going to write that down because we're gonna that's going to come in for handy someplace. I knew that when I wrote about him and Johnson in, in 55 – that I had the quote from the SI article, uh, the thr- thrill of a lifetime, and where he said it was better than the gold medal. But that '72 quote, where he said it's it's always going to be very important to you, maybe the most important thing you'll ever do. That was from, you know, that was '72. So that was before he'd won a national championship. That was before yeah. any of that. Um, but you know, his 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 position on the tournament never wavered. And I think it's 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 what Lawrence said. It's passion. It's community. It's it's a very um, you're at a point in your lives where. Um, you know, you're very um, what's impressionable, and and this is something that you work for, and, and then it happens for you at that age. I think that that it, it's it's it stays big in your mind for the rest of your life. As far as the cultural impact that the state tournament has on the state of Minnesota, we talk about basketball in Indiana, we talk about football in Texas, and you know, you can debate back and forth which has a larger impact on the communities. But when we focus in on what it does to this state, and you know, it's immeasurable. I know, having grown up in Edina, even in the summer, it's still like being in a small town. Even though you're in the metro area, it's a very specific passion. Mm-hmm. Did you guys learn anything about those passions from Roseau to Duluth to White Bear Lake to Edina to Lakeville over the years? What drives that? Is it? What is it? Why does this one game do that? Who wants that one? That's a tough one. Uh, it's well, deep. It's deep. Yeah. It is. But it's it's, it's, a good question, it's yeah. real though, right? I yeah. mean, it's there. Well, we t- you know I don't know I don't have an answer. Maybe Dave, I'll give David a little time to give you a, a really good answer. <laughs> uh, but I, w- I will say that we do talk about like there's certain things that are just Minnesota, right? The state fair. Yeah. State fair. People go to the state fair. You kind of know year after year because there's things you want to do. I want to go get the ear of corn. I want to go get the cheese court curds. I want to go see a show or whatever. And I think the state the the state hockey tournaments are like that in some ways that, you know, you get to see the different, you know, maybe there's a new team there, the the Monticello Moose. And they're all, look amazing. At the, look yeah. at their jerseys. And, the, you know, that's yeah. cool. Or the bands or the chants or the, the smell of the uh, mini donuts or whatever. So it all – and it becomes something you just – it becomes a, a ritual. It does. And uh, so Minnesota has those the things that are really specific to Minnesota, and I think we cherish those things and take a lot of pride. The state fair is one. Uh, going to your cabin up north is one, I think. Uh, and and the hockey tournament fits right in there. Boy, that's a really good answer. There were, there were two goaltenders that, that I think of, and one, I didn't use the quote yet in, in any published form, but I, I will figure out somewhere to use it. Reggie Miracle from 1983 Columbia Heights, goalie. Shut out, Edina. I was there. Bless him. (laughs) I was there. (laughs) But he uh, he said he said we we talked about that the whole you know what is the cosmic significance of this and he said well these are the sons of your towns and I just love that quote you know and uh, and the other one is I think a Willard Eichel I think of him. He talked about being a kid. He was on the you know living room floor on the rug, and the coal-fired stove was going. And 
he's tuning in hockey night on the radio in, in Canada to try to see if uh, you know one of the goalies from Eveleth who were in the pros at the time, Lopristi, Caracas, uh, uh, Brimzek, you'll see if he could catch one of those guys because that's all he wanted to be. Yeah. And see those guys around town, and that's all he wanted to be. Your, your vision didn't go all the way to the NHL. You, you just wanted to you know be the star at your local high school because you had these heroes around that you could catch a pass from or, or hear, you know, support you or even knock you down a little bit on the rinks. And so you get a very specific dream for your very specific piece of the world. And then I think Willard instilled a lot of that coaching at Edina uh, and, 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 and other people have, have, have you know, learned that, that, that this should be important to you. It, it should be important to you. And we're going to make sure you know, I mean, Johnson High School, where I went, they're, they're hanging on, but boy, they preach tradition like nobody's business. And you had Minneapolis was the host of Hockey Day Minnesota here. Tradition, you know, the Alms, the Westbys, the, all those. So I think that it's, it's been something. And, you know, and then to take it all a little further, you know, you go around the country and they tell you that community-based programming for hockey is, is a dying breed. And Minnesota has something very special to hang on to. So I think all of those elements play into the, the, uh, the way the tournament endures. It's it's really special and and to to make the outlandish statement of the year, there always feels as though David to dovetail on what you said that there's a perpetual link between Eveleth and Edina, with that whole mentality with how things come together, produced by Willard and and that whole process, and so therefore there's in a weird way a little bit of the range in this town in the southwest suburbs. And there are others that it kind of fans into. So, so that kind of goes into the bigger story of talking about his impact um, on the game uh, in all ways, tournament-based, metro-based, range, all of it. So uh, any closing thoughts? Uh, how relieved are you that the book's uh, ready to go? Oh, we're excited. I, you know, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> it was a long process. You know, one thing I, I would want to bring up is that uh, the photos in the book, uh, you've got a chance to see some of those. Yeah. Some of those are well all of them are amazing in my mind but some of them uh i think are as defining as certainly the stories we wrote i mean these are some of these photos are just uh amazing uh you know kyle owen from vintage minnesota hockey spent weeks down at the history center digging through negatives that we think no one had ever even seen before old school negatives negatives actually yeah like having to Yep, yep. He was sorting through those, uh, you know, taking pictures of those negatives. Uh, We were looking at them, and we're thinking, you know, how a photographer will, back in the old days, you'd get your negatives. You kind of know what you're looking for, right? Sure. You have certain shots, and you're on a deadline. You took them, you're they. Yeah, you're on a deadline. You got to get these things out, you know, work them up into prints. So we think some of the photographers never even saw some of their own negatives that we're looking through. So we've got photos that have maybe never been seen before. And you knew who shot those from the Historical Society? Or Uh, some of them are uncredited? Yes, some of them are uncredited because even the newspapers, if you look at the old uh, microfilm, they don't even, in the actual editions of the papers, don't even credit their photographers um, in the early, earlier years. So we're really, once we were done writing, we spent months uh, working on the photos, mm-hmm. just uh, working with Kyle and and uh, other sources, gathering these photos that we'd heard about or knew about or wa- wanted to see if they existed. Uh, so and and now we, it's it's been a lot of fun talking to folks like you, just trying to get the word out there. You write a book, but you uh, you can't just assume people are like, gee, I wonder if Lauren Lauren Nelson has written any books. Yeah, I wonder what's on the shelf. Right? Yeah, along those lines, I do want to say. Um, 
before I forget, uh, the legacy, it's legacy.hockey. Thank you. Uh, or legacy or legacyhockey.net takes you to the same place. But legacy.hockey backslash turning time, or if you just go to legacy.hockey, you'll see it in the, the top uh, navigation. But anyway, turning time is kind of our our spot for, uh, you can go order the book. We, we would want you to order the book there because then we can personalize for you. So we can say, you know, two wags, you know. Or, really? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, we do that. We've, we've gotten a lot of people doing that. So we're personalizing books, which is a lot of fun, and sending them out to, the, to folks. Well, once we actually get our hands on the physical copies of the books, that's, that's our plan. And then we, the other thing we did there is we had a lot of leftovers, right? Because we were writing a lot of stories and not sure how many of them were actually going to make it into the book. And Dave was like, Lauren, we don't have room. We're not going to have room for all this. Stuff. I said, don't worry. We'll just, we'll just put it on the website. Of course, the website didn't exist at that of point. Course. But I said, we'll just put it on the website. So we have several kind of stories oh, that, cool. that were a lot, were fun, and, but just didn't quite fit mm-hmm. in the book. And so they're there on legacy.hockey, too. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I got to turn this on you, Pete, because we've, we've we, you know, Steve Thompson at WCCO is generous to have us on. Tom Shorsky, generous to have us on. Um, but you're, and I say this with all affection, you're the geek. You're one of the geeks. I want to oh. hear, I want to hear, you've seen this, a lot of this, so I want to hear what you got, you found yourself getting into, what you learned, what you were, enter, you know, entertained by, what, I'm going to put you on the spot. I, I, know, I know you can handle it. What yeah, do you, do bring you it on. I love it. Thank you for that. Um, for, for me, what, what, I didn't really understand how it all started, and that's the part that I, so, I, for me, historic buff, I like to go back and learn more about why we are where we are today. And so you're able to go back through, and having grown up in Edina, three years old in that 69 year, believe it or not, my sister was in high school at, at that time. So there's a big, there's a bunch of us, and there's range in age. So it was talked about all the time. And so what for me, what's been so great about this book is it linked the very beginning to that really impressionable era, having been a seven-year-old in 1973, wanting to uh, be on that team, find a way, do whatever, and and doing exactly Willard, wanting to be Brimsek, wanting to be uh, Lepresti, all the others. So so for me, it was more like bringing back memories and tying together. What I was most into was what the St. Paul Auditorium was really like. And for me, to Lauren's point, there's some really great pictures. There's a national anthem one, that overtime game, where you can look up and you can see the crowd, and it, they're like on top of you. And, and one of you, I don't know who wrote it, referred to the smoke-filled auditorium. <laughs> so what that did is that took me right back to the Met Center in the early days of the Civic Center when you'd go to those games, and it would be a smoke-filled where it'd be hazing in. But it brought the smell. It brought it all back to me. And it was, you know, because today we sit in this climate-contained, perfect, you know, XL Energy Center where it's just sort of like mechanical. Yeah. And there was a lot of character that, that occurred. This book brings out the character of each generation of each year. What's also interesting to me is I had a memory, let's say, of the 93 Jaguars, right? Well, there might have been a story within there because I announced other games for BEC or whatever. There might be a story in there that I was completely unaware of that you guys told, or I may have looked at the 84 tournament and, oh, I didn't know that. So there's a lot of unearthed nuggets that come out for me that, that have actually really made me excited for this year's state tournament. Not that 1982 has anything to do with 2020, uh, but what it does do is it ties it all together. So as a geek, as a person that loves high school hockey and is passionate about it, 
to me, it's a must read. I've told a bunch of my friends about it. I know they're getting the book because they're huge high school fans. And these are like parents of current kids on teams and things like that who are really excited to see what this is about. So to me, it's a great tie into everything. Did that work for an answer? Well, that's fantastic. Hey, well, well, one, I do want to do a little shout out to Pete too because we, we've been talking a lot about uh, you know kind of how I got started here in Minnesota and, and met David and we, the Hockey Hub was a big part of that. Well, uh, I think people should know Pete was actually in on the ground floor of that sucker working with, with uh, Ken Pauley, Mike McMillan, yeah. Chad Nyberg. So what we have is that that resource um and so so pete goes you know even back to your jefferson days so you're you're uh <laughs> to to hear you say that you uh you enjoyed the book and you're re- referring it to to other people and it brings you back and you're talking about the smells that means a lot to, to david and i because we know how passionate you are about thank you and what you've done for the sport well it, it's an, thank you much very much it's a it's a really really quality piece for Anybody that has an ounce of interest in high school hockey, it's not like your typical coffee table, set it down, here's a little flip through the decades. This is specific storytelling about things that we may have thought we knew or we had kind of ideas about, but we're getting stories from the horses' mouths told by two really terrific writers who are have their thumb on the pulse. So, I mean, I don't know what else we can do other than just like force someone to hit send on purchasing the book but but it's it's that good so uh, i'm thrilled you guys did this and i don't know um was it you david or you lauren that told me that this project was happening a while one of you told me a while ago maybe two years ago was it you i think it might have been me just saying oh you know because sometimes something will come up in a conversation i'll say oh did you did you we're writing a book you know yeah you know and, and then you know your eyes kind of get big like really what What's it about? You know, yeah, it's, yeah. And it's hard to, until we actually were able to send par- parts of the book out, it was really hard to explain what it was and how it looked and how it was coming together. So yeah, it was probably you know we've been we've been letting people know this was coming for a long time, but really it's now is the time where it actually kind of this is it. This it exists. You know, hard copy only, or is this digital available too? Well, one of the things they said about digital was the charts that we mentioned earlier, they didn't know how those might reproduce in, in the uh, e-reader format. So that we're still waiting to see what they're going to come up with there because I'd like to see it in that format as well. But, yeah. uh, but hard copy right now is, is, is the only option that, we've been, that, we, that we know we can count on. Bookstores or online only or both? Uh, so you can order at Amazon.com. It'll be at Barnes & Noble. Um, they're trying to target some local booksellers as well. I don't; those names aren't f- fresh on my, in my mind, but, uh, but yeah, it'll, it'll be around. Uh, yeah. And at the expo, yeah, we'll be at the expo. We'll be at the state tourney. Uh, we were going to have a. I think we're actually not going to be down on the expo, but up on the the concourse, kind of above. Oh wow! You got in the building in the house, in, the River Center, no, in, the River Center. Oh, in, oh, up top in okay. the River Center, yeah, up yeah. top. So yeah. you don't actually, if you don't have a ticket or a badge to get down into the expo you can still stop by uh david and i'll be making appearance you know we're, we're still going to be covering the tournament so we won't be there full time but we'll still be there selling or autographing books and uh are you guys going to rotate is that kind of a thought well you know we'll, we have to figure it out i mean our you know you know covering the tournament there's not a lot of downtime there's none especially especially <laughs> working with lauren there's very little oh, downtime well and, you know actually getting over to the um uh, Cassettes is always a project. I force it in on the uh, semifinal Friday. Yeah, so 
I have so, to. Yeah. It seems like that. See, that's another thing that makes Turning great. Your little traditions, right? Things you have uh-huh. to do. So, yeah, we'll be there. And, uh, again, we'd encourage people. There's lots of places you can buy it. But go to Legacy.Hockey and, and uh, order it there, and we'll, we'll get you signed up and personalized copy. Well, Sean Goldsworthy always says get better every day. That's his mantra to his team. And, you know, my goal is to have every podcast be better every time out so gentlemen you just made this the best podcast i've ever done thank you (laughs) thank you thank you we're going to stop this podcast right there as it stands on its own great stuff tourney time go down and see him at the state tournament i've read it i'm telling you if you're anything close to a high school hockey fan i know there's plenty of them that listen to this show and are part of our live streams uh we'll have those guys uh pop into uh, a couple of our broadcasts as well it's it's a great read and well worth it We'll be back with more. We have a great show coming up with Ken Pauley and Lee Smith, both 500-game winners, two days apart. Imagine that. The Eden Prairie Eagles coach and the Benilde St. Margaret's coach, both in that uh, very, very prestigious club. Uh, We'll have that coming up later in the week, and we appreciate your listening. Once again, today's show presented by American Family Insurance. That's AmFam.com for your insurance coverages and your local agent. By Tradition Companies, the one-stop shop for all your housing needs, financing, home building, mortgages, capital bank, life insurance, wealth management, you name it, they got it. And then also get your training with Josh Kern. Check him out at MyEdgeHockey.com. He is uh, very good and gets a ton of great results. We'll be hearing from Josh on our next uh, upcoming podcast as well. That's going to do it here for today. So long, everybody.